Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We preview of the West Ham Away Cup and League Games. I'm Darren Driver and I'm joined today by John McKenzie and Tom Alderson. Tom! Tom! It's been such a long time since I spoke to you. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, thanks. I'm here to prove that you two haven't killed the rest of us. Like The rest of us <laughs> still exist. We are still here. But you've, you've both done a great job carrying the team over Christmas, so thank you very much for that. Thank you. While well, you all served your suspensions and bans and things. Yeah. John, it's not quite so long since I've spoken to you, my friend. How, how are you doing? Yeah, well, we've definitely served our time, haven't we? We did all the rubbish <laughs> games and then as soon as we have one good game and then they're all back, all crawling out of the woodwork. But we'll still be here, Darren, even when the world stops going round. We will, we will. We will. Not only have they crawled out of the woodwork, they've set up spreadsheets, they've tried to like, yeah. <laughs> do you know, what? I don't understand, really understand what's been going on. Just but. worming his way back in, I think. Absolutely. Uh, but it is good to speak to you, Tom. Excellent. Okay, so in terms of news, we've signed Mateo Jose Fernandez from Espanol, uh, an 18-year-old Spanish striker. And this has been in the offing for some time, I think. I think we were uh, linked with him in the summer. So do either of you know anything about him? Seen him play, anything like that. John, I'll come to you first. I have not seen him play. I do not know anything about him. And I am very much relying on Josh Hobbs to to tell me what my opinion on him should be. So uh, I think Josh will next week be doing something, breaking him down a little bit. So we'll probably have a little bit more content out about him uh, next week. So Josh will tell you what your opinion should be and then you'll immediately go to the opposite opinion, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Usually it's him stealing my opinions, but this time I'm willing to go the other way for him. So Okay, fair enough. Tom, anything on, on him? No, I, I hadn't heard of him until he appeared on my Twitter feed, whatever day it was that we signed him. The one, the one thing I have, I'll say on this is I hate it when someone's described as highly rated. <laughs> highly rated. How, how do we know? Does Phil Hay heard of him before Thursday as well, but how does he know he's highly rated? So Also, every young player is always highly rated. Yeah, until they're not. Yeah, <laughs> you don't sign people that you don't rate highly, really. So Yeah, we've signed this guy and he's rubbish. <laughs> Danny Pugh was highly rated when we first signed him from Manchester United. If, I don't know if you can believe that. Um, anyway, we've also been linked with everybody who's ever played professional football in the midfield positions, uh, as expected. And just to reiterate that I absolutely hate <laughs> transfer windows and I cannot wait for it to be over. Let's move on. 
I should say that if you are interested in transfer windows, <laughs> we do have a lot of other content <laughs> that is, is perfect for you. We don't all sit around just hating on the transfer window. So um, we've been doing a lot of scouting stuff in our Discord channel, which is available to our patrons. And that's been great fun. We've been able to just play around on Scout, watch the tape of players who've been linked with us. So um, there is plenty of stuff that is, is going on. Josh and I will do an autos list at some point in January. And uh, no doubt when players come in, we will have some video slash written uh, scouting reports for you guys to read. Yeah, I enjoy all the content that all stats put out about the transfer window. <laughs> I just hate the thing itself. And I'm happy that my interaction with it is generally what we put out and that's all. Okay, excellent. Let's move on to West Ham. <laughs> so we've got to, we've got two games, uh, as we know, in the next two weeks. And most of this preview episode is going to focus on the, the league fixture, but we will refer to the cup fixture when that's relevant, particularly in terms of lineups. So this week, John spoke to Corey Kemp from the West Ham way about David Moyes evolving into a higher form. And he also waxes lyrical about Jared Bowen, which is fine by me because I love him a bit. Uh, that's Jared Bowen, not Corey. Although I'm sure Corey's good too. So Corey, hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm slightly better after the last two games for West Ham. As, as most people will know, we've had a bit of an off month, to say the least. I think it was, what, five points out of a possible 21. So when you're competing at the end of the table that we are, obviously it was frustrating, but I am starting to feel a little bit more positive. Obviously the January transfer window, every single rumour is bouncing around, particularly with West Ham and strikers. So content-wise, it's going to be a mad month for me. But yeah, other than that, I'm all good. Yeah, we were having a conversation off air and uh, we just managed to ramble on for about five minutes. So I, I thought we better turn yeah. this into good content. So <laughs> let's let's get talking about West Ham. So obviously, um, as we were talking before we, we went live, last season was a bit of an outlier. So it might not necessarily have indicated anything in and of itself. But this season, you're fighting for Champions League spots against uh, a, a few very competitive teams. So mm-hmm. could it be the case that West Ham are actually good? I agree. I think even I'm going to have to concede at this point. I think we are actually a very good team. I think it's crazy to think that two years ago, this team was fighting relegation. And I think with a few astute signings and again, David Moyes' coaching and his tactical awareness, I think a lot of people outside of West Ham, particularly when Moyes came in, would have said that we were bound for the drop. But he's proven all my expectations wrong. He's taken West Ham to a level where, in particular this season, I feel last season we were very, very good in terms of a top six team. I think we beat a lot of the teams in the other 14, essentially. I think we were 10 points clear by the end of the season I think now I think back to the home games that I've been to we've beaten Chelsea 3-2 beaten Liverpool 3-2 and in all those games I feel that we've got the game plan absolutely spot on and it's been so strange to watch West Ham we've essentially gone from a counter-attacking team a team that's played five at the back at times and sometimes we do revert to it but there is an expectation even in games against the likes of Southampton and, and Watford where West Ham have to get on the ball and create and th- there, there are pitfalls in that and obviously we've seen the other day and in particular with, with Diop and Dawson coming in and, and Creswell going out with injury it has led us to be a little bit vulnerable but it's exciting times nonetheless I think you're looking at this period in the January transfer window if, if West can go and get a few astute signings in there, particularly at striker, centre-back, a possible left-back, Zuma to come back in possibly in February, then I think we're going to have a strong end to the season and we've got the Europa League to look forward to. So it's exciting times. You won't hear me complaining, absolutely not. Like we said off-air, it's, it's kind of crazy that 18 months later after Moyes has joined that, that West Ham are even in this situation. Yeah, and you mentioned in your in your sort of intro that uh, in the last month or so you had a little bit of a wobble results-wise, beginning with a loss to uh, Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League. 
What do you think caused this wobble? And do you think it's behind you now after you've had a couple of recent wins in the league? Kind of. I, I, a lot of these results coincide with with Zuma going out of the team, and and that was particularly against Chelsea. Even though we did get the result, obviously he was a massive loss to us. And I, I kind of feel that the form had dipped slightly before then. We lost against Wolves away. I think Wolves are a fantastic team. I think you would have seen that last night against Manchester United. Uh, again, we had a, a loss against City, but something to be expected. We dropped points against Brighton. I, I think defensive stability. Was a was the main issue, if I'm honest. But then you also look in terms of the striking department, Mikel Antonio, the level of fatigue that he was demonstrating, particularly after the international break. I've said this before on my channel that a lot of West Ham's creative play, build-up play in the final third is through Mikel Antonio's ability to hold the ball up. And I remember a game against Arsenal, I think he got dispossessed around 17 times. And, and when functionally that's falling apart, your attacking midfielders aren't working as well. We're losing the ball. We're vulnerable defensively. There's just kind of all of those factors bundled into one. And it's been frustrating to watch. I kind of feel that in the last two games, particularly with the attacking four, Mickey's had a break. We look a lot stronger. And Manu Lanzini's come in and he's been absolutely fantastic. And ask any West Ham fan, we, we thought he was done. You know, he's lost the level of athleticism that, that he had before his knee injury in 2018, but the quality of the player, and I'm sure we'll get into the tactical elements of it, but he's been a real fine for us so far. Yeah, and scored a brilliant goal against Palace uh, in that in that game recently. Um, in terms of the fact that we're like midway through the season now, one of the questions I'm asking our guests is, what are the problems that you're seeing with your side that you hadn't anticipated at the beginning of the season? I wonder how you'd answer that question. It's an interesting one. I, I think... I think defensively is a problem. Defensively is a problem. And in particular, the communication between the centre-backs and the left-back. And especially when West Ham have to play a mid-block or a slightly higher line. I think Dawson, we know that athletically he struggles and naturally he will do. I think you could look at both centre-backs in Dawson and Diop. They struggle in terms of their distribution. You could go as far as Fabianski, albeit a good shot stopper. We are struggling to play out at times. And I think Moyes has tried to remedy it, particularly in the last game against Crystal Palace with Declan playing a more of a natural number six, a player that can play through the lines, that can progress the ball. So I think he's trying to remedy it. But there are players like Arthur Mazawaku that I'm not quite convinced you'll ever get a strong defensive performance from I watched him against Arsenal and I could accept possibly being overloaded down that side and, and positionally him struggling but when it's 1v1 he's also finding problems so those are the problems that I didn't anticipate West Ham to run into and I, and I think purely because of not only the strength of defender that Ogbonna and Zuma are but the communication and it will go under the radar if you're if you're outside of West Ham but what Ogbonna does for that back four in terms of discipline organisation is so so crucial so not only have we lost I feel two defenders that enable us to play a slightly higher line and a a left back that can defend appropriately and is consistent going forward. But we've also lost organisation and discipline. And and I think that takes away from the forward players, in particular when they can't hold the ball up. And I still feel West Ham aren't where I would like us to be in terms of retaining the ball. And essentially a lot of our games have become basketball matches. So the sooner we can get away from that and and keep the ball a lot better, then I think West Ham will stabilise. Yeah, sure. So Leeds and West Ham are playing twice in two weekends, I should say, at this point. So there's an FA Cup game this weekend and then the following weekend there's a a league game. How seriously do you think Moyes is going to take the FA Cup this this season? Um, Or do you think it's just the case that he's going to focus on the league game in particular and the FA Cup game will be a bit of a dead rubber? I'm not convinced that we're dead rubber. And I think this is kind of the attractive element of David Moyes' management is that he will go for every single 
Cup competition. I, I expect him to play a mixed team. I think that's fair. I, I don't think we'll see Mikel Antoni. I think West Ham will go with a false nine. I can see Mark Noble coming in, possibly Alex Crowell. I don't think he'll rotate the centre-backs purely because those are the only options that, that West Ham really have at this stage. For me as a fan, I, I think the priority has to be the league. And I, and I think in particular, when you're looking at Norwich, I think it's a game that West Ham have to win. Leeds will be a slightly different test, but a game that West Ham should be winning. I, I would like Moyes to focus on it. And I hate to say that because I would love an FA Cup as a West Ham fan. I know we are in the echelons of Europa League and competing for top four, but I don't think you can really beat a trophy. So I, I expect both teams, if I'm, if I'm honest, to put a mixed side out, but I wouldn't expect West Ham to necessarily throw the game. I think you'll see a few fringe players in there and, and, and I think Moyes will definitely go for it nonetheless. And what difference do you think that will make given that we've got these two games in successive weekends in terms of the, the tactic side of things, do you think that we'll see a lot of tweaking in the second fixture to respond to the first? Or are you sort of treating these in your head as just completely separate fixtures? I think we'll see a similar setup. I, I, don't, I cannot see David Moyes adopting or changing. I think we could see players in, in, in different positions. I was thinking before coming on that maybe you might see Arthur Mazuaku as a left-hand side attacking midfielder. Principally, it will still be 4-2-3-1. I don't think there'll be any response to this game. I feel that in games that I've watched David Moyes where he's played the team for the first fixture in the season and then the second fixture of the season, he has responded appropriately. I saw that against Crystal Palace. There was less naivety. I'm hoping to see that in the league against Leeds because first half at Ellen Road, it, we did really, really struggle and our press wasn't good enough. And I still don't think as a, as a pressing team, West Ham have quite mastered it. So I expect a response in general, but in terms of a game impacting his thoughts going into the league, I, I don't think it'll affect things. And when it comes to the tactics and more generally this season, do you think you've seen much of a tactical evolution from West Ham this season versus West Ham last season? Definitely, definitely. Look, it's crazy to think we were a, a back five, a three-four-three, a counter-attacking system where essentially we relinquished a lot of the possession and and we focused on our defensive organisation, but our ability in transition. And I think I've said this before, West Ham's pace, the number of bodies that we get forward, the ability to overload so quickly has really come from a game against Chelsea when we beat them two seasons ago. Now, I think this season we're seeing teams against us sit slightly deeper. I think that presents a different problem for West Ham. I think West Ham have struggled to break down teams in a in a lower block. And I also think we've struggled in terms of our ability to use possession and build the play. I'm, I'm seeing evolution in terms of how high our line is. That has posed problems. It posed problems against Leeds last time out, particularly with Suchek losing the ball on the halfway line. Dawson obviously struggled. I, I think the 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 factor in changing that and improving that is not only Declan Rice, who we know is fantastic in terms of keeping the ball, progressing the ball, playing vertically, which is added to his game this season. I think Manu Lanzini playing as a number 10. You know, earlier in the season, we're seeing Ben Rama be more conventional, play a little bit further up. A lot of the pay building through Mikel Antonio. I think when you've got Manu Lanzini playing in the 10 role, he's so comfortable in dropping deep, picking the ball up off Declan Rice, progressing the ball, playing vertically. That's been really crucial. And he's been such a fantastic player to watch, honestly, not just in terms of West Ham improving proving in possession and breaking down teams, but his ability to join the overload, how intelligent he is in finding pockets of space and half spaces. He's been a real part of that, that evolution. But even so, I, I think Moyes is still coming to grips with how we can press effectively. I think when you watch West Ham this season, in terms of trying to create turnovers further up the pitch, it, it doesn't really come from West Ham pressing it. And I think against Chelsea, it was probably on, on best display, particularly with Mendy making the mistake. West Ham will play with bodies further up the pitch. They'll try and they'll try and exploit that kind of final third or that that building third for the likes of Chelsea and force them into a mistake. But we, we aren't quite there. And having watched a lot of football, 
we aren't that type of team. But those are the type of challenges that I think Moises is trying to overcome. And I feel that we'll slowly get there. And it, again, it comes from recruitment and it comes from the development of the side. But we have definitely improved. There's no mistake. If you take a clip from West Ham two seasons ago and you look at us now, it is chalk and cheese. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the structure two years ago was that three four three, but since then you've basically well this season anyway you've basically played four two three one every game for for the totality apart from two games where you went back to that three four three against Chelsea which you won and then against Spurs in the Carabao Cup which you lost. Any thoughts on why Moors went that way against those two teams? And, and obviously both those two teams are playing back three. So do you think it was something to do with that? This is such an interesting question because I think the way that it's posed is as if West Ham are trying to expose the back three of the opposition. It's quite interesting you say it because against Chelsea, essentially we went to 3-5-2. We added Manu Lanzini or possibly even a 3-4-1-2. And it just helped us with our build-up play. It allowed us defensively to have more bodies centrally. And I think against the Chelsea team, particularly with players like Mason Mount and Havertz, and they come into those central pockets, it just gave more protection to to defensive elements, in particular Diop, that have struggled. So I think that was the reason why we saw it in that game. I look in the Spurs game in terms of that 3-4-3. Again, I think it was just to deal with the overload, particularly in wide areas from Tottenham and how Tottenham build up in those wide areas with their wing backs. And it was just to combat that. It's to give us a little bit of protection, in particular to the centre-backs. I think primarily that's why the back three is introduced. Uh, to be honest, I, th- I think the reason why West Ham have gone to a 4-2-3-1 is, is because Moyes trusts his defenders now. He trusts us to build up play. Declan plays a massive part in that. And I think there's been a lot of onus on Declan Rice to protect Dawson and Diop in recent weeks. And I, I think it just gives you an extra body going forward. I think he's reluctant to lose that in terms of West Ham's transition and how how clinical West Ham can be in the counter. So I think that's why you've seen 4-2-3-1. I think they were just odd moments. I really do. I think that was the perfect way to play against Chelsea. It would have been a decent way to play against Tottenham. But listen, unfortunately, we lost that game and, and we have to concentrate on the league. I like to ask our guests midway through the season about players who've stood out for them. Obviously, it's easy to focus on the big names in your team, players like Declan Rice, Thomas Suchek, Mikhail Antonio, all of whom you've obviously mentioned. But who are the players outside the usual suspects who've impressed you this season? It's so disappointing that Aaron Creswell was injured because I think he's been absolutely fantastic. I was looking at some of his stats and again, you can look at the eye test and, and, and sometimes the stats mirror and sometimes they don't. But in, in fact, Creswell defensively has improved. I think last season he had quality in terms of set-piece delivery, quality from wide areas. But now, I think defensively, 1v1, he has improved. And even though he does lack pace and against overloads on that side, maybe he would struggle. But he seems to have really come into his own later on in his career. And I think, obviously, he's been helped out with quality centre-backs in Ogbonna and Zuma. But again, David Moyes must have a lot of credit behind that improvement. I said it earlier, but, but Manuel Lanzini, I, I think he's been fantastic. I, I love players that, that are so comfortable in possession. He is the number 10 that is completely unique to the players that we've got. You know, Fornals is fantastic in transition and, and, and pressing. Ben Rama's improved, I think, particularly in the number 10. But West Ham sometimes do struggle to build up play when you're not playing directly into Mikel Antonio. And I think Lanzini's ability to adapt to a team like West Ham, you know, primarily using counter-attacks, has really impressed me. He's a player that's had injury problems. It's probably the only period of time in the last season or so that he's been fully fit and like you see against Crystal Palace technical quality wise he only scores worldies and uh, listen as a West Ham fan it's wonderful to see and long may it continue so outside of the usual suspects for me definitely Aaron Creswell would have said Zuma 
but unfortunately he's injured at the minute as well. But there have been a few outliers. And and Jared Bowen, oh, we'll, we'll go on a tangent. Jared, Jared Bowen has been phenomenal, absolutely incredible. Against Watford, it's probably his most complete performance. And I say on my channel regularly, he has a lot of credit in the bank with me because of what he does in terms of pressing. I think this season we're seeing him effectively carry the ball. He's developing composure in the final third. He can create chances for others. He can create chances for himself. And, and I think Bowen is knocking on the door for England. And I appreciate it. It's a very niche argument when you've got Foden and Grealish and Sterling in wide areas. But if Jared Bowen is able to keep this level of consistency, I do feel that he'll be pushing. Yeah, and you don't get linked to Liverpool if you're not producing on the pitch, right? Big money, John. Big money. <laughs> if someone's going to come in, it's the same for Declan Rice. I think we're in a privileged position now. And you'll know with Calvin Phillips, if one of these teams starts knocking, then they're going to have to pay some serious money. Yeah, and one of the things I love about about chatting to you is that in the last time, few times we chatted to each other, you get a real sense with with you that you're realising that West Ham are sort of solving problems as they improve, um, and and they're having to learn how to play in 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 different ways to 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 sort of suit the level that they're at. This mm-hmm. is not a question on the running order. I'm just sort of dumping on That's you. Fine. But, um, you, you've mentioned you mentioned already that two seasons ago, you know, you were very much a sit deep counter attack team, and then in the course of the last two years, I think you, you've you've got to a point where you're very much thinking like, well, we have to be able to retain possession. We have to be able to build mm-hmm. up the ball. We have to play differently with players who we've brought in for for different jobs. So it's interesting hearing to, hearing you talk about some of these players because it feels as though, particularly maybe Ben Rama and, and Bowen um, are, are sort of coming into their own this season when when you're able to possess the ball in different ways than you have previously. So um, I don't know if you have any thoughts. It's not really a question so much as um, just a, I'd like to hear from you just on, on your thoughts on on this slow evolutionary process that you're seeing at West Ham where where Moyes and the, the team are having to respond to problems as they occur, depending on where they are in the table. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, you, you could go from game to game again. Tactically, there have to be changes. I saw it against Liverpool with Pablo Fornals playing essentially in a, in a three-man midfield. I thought it was perfect. He gave him freedom. I think Moyes has got the ability to do that. As a fan, I think West Ham have improved, again, massively. But where I want to see and where I think David Moyes wants to see improvement is, again, ability to play out from the back. I'm seeing Fabianski trying to distribute into wide areas. He's not effective at it. It is a problem. The reason why I have a lot of patience with it is because it is ambitious from David Moyes. He has a plan in terms of where he needs to go. I think West Ham, and and again, I think we've improved effectively in the final third because we're retaining possession a little bit better. Our build-up play has improved. Our ability to keep the balls improved. How long we're keeping the ball in the final third. I think we are seeing improvements and you're seeing the likes of Bowen. Again, his output's been brilliant. I think Ben Rama tactically has improved, not, not only in terms of end product and he's getting there very, very slowly, but his movement off the ball and his understanding of how to overload the box the way that West Ham do. I, I just feel that where we need to go is game management. And I think we'll see that in the Europa League. I think West Ham can really hurt teams from the counter. I think we can hurt teams from set piece and the set piece quality that we have. But like you saw against Crystal Palace, it, it still feels that West Ham, there's there's an off switch and there's an on switch. And it's essentially, we, we press slightly higher or we, we push bodies forward. We try and squeeze teams. We try and create opportunities for ourselves or we counter. We have to be able to find that that middle ground. And I think that comes slightly from, per, from personnel. But again, it, I've got to be very patient with this West Ham team. He gets a lot of credit in the bank for me, Moyes, not only because of how we're doing at the minute, but because we are evolving and we are going to get there. And 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 listen, for me, I think some of these players have reached their ceiling. I think Mazawaku would be a fair shout. I think Yarmolenko doesn't fit the system in terms of a player coming on. But but other than that, there is a lot of potential from this West Ham side. And listen, with a, with a ball playing number six, possibly, maybe we'll see that in the future. I, I think West Ham can sustain these type of leads and and win games by fine margins. So again, like, like, like I said, John, you never hear me complain. And that's 
particularly because there is there's ambition and I and I can genuinely see it. I saw it from the first game of preseason and I've seen it for the first couple of months or so. So yeah, it's been really exciting and I, and I believe it will continue like this because that is the attitude that David Moyes has put onto this West Ham team. Let's start thinking about the games themselves then. The games against Leeds in the recent Premier League era have all been actually pretty tight, at least per the underlying numbers. Uh, even this season when we've been at our worst ebb under Bielsa, we, we did cause you problems in that game. So do you expect these games to be tight? And why do you think that Leeds cause West Ham problems? Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. They are very fine margins. I know we have got the, the wins in those games. From memory, I think West Ham have won the games against Leeds in, in moments. It was set pieces in the first fixture last season. I think we had a 20-minute spell at the London Stadium. This season, it was essentially the second half and West Ham adapting. I, th- I think it comes from David Moyes, particularly in the first fixture at Ellen Road this season, being, and I think this is the expectation of West Ham generally, getting on the ball, trying to squeeze leads, trying to create turn- turnovers further up the pitch. And it's and it's very imperfect. And I think it did suit leads, in particular with Calvin dropping in deep and players picking up the ball and your ability to transition so quickly and, and how high our line was. I hope in this game West Ham aren't naive. I think, I think David Moyes, in a sense, and whilst I've praised him for being ambitious, could be a lot more pragmatic. And I think maybe we'll see that in this game, you know, against you, Ellen Rowe. Declan Rice, again, we've seen this season playing more of a number eight role. I think if we can return to the balance in particular with the two defenders in Dawson and Diop, we can have Declan Rice sitting as a natural number six. I think we can control the game a little bit better. I think the game plan's there in terms of how West Ham can beat Leeds. But I kind of feel that David Moyes will always try and get hold of the ball. He'll always try and be positive in terms of creating chances. And I think that gives you perfect opportunities. And listen, last time out, I don't think I gave Leeds much hope. And I think that was because of injuries and form. But having seen you in the way that you can play, I think West Ham need to avoid being naive in this game. You have world, you have a world-class player in Rafinha. Again, the chances you can create, even players like Gelhart that can drop into pockets and, and force Dawson out of areas and, and deal up into areas that they don't want to be. So that's why I, I want Moyes to be a lot more pragmatic. And I, and I really hope he makes it comfortable because I really don't want an uncomfortable game against Leeds. I couldn't think, I couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit just about injuries and suspensions. You've talked about uh, Zuma and Ogbonna being out. Is there anyone else who you expect to be out ahead of these games? I, th- I don't think Johnson will play, although, albeit I know he's just come back from injury, so there's another player that, that won't play. Creswell, we've discussed. Uh, Creswell injuries is a bit of a, a puzzle for most West Ham fans. There, there's no expectation as to when he'll come back into the team. Other than that, I think we are fully fit and raring to go. The only sad thing is, is of course, Ben Rahm has gone to the African Cup of Nations. He would have been a great player and he is a great player in these type of games against Leeds. But other than that, other than key injuries to Ogbonna and Zuma, I think West Ham are, are ready to go. But like we said earlier, I think we'll see a much a much changed team, particularly in the FA Cup. Well, let's talk about the lineups. I won't ask you to give us a lineup for the cup game because I'm sure that will be a little bit more open ended. Mm-hmm. But um, what do you what are you expecting from the the league game, sort of lineup wise? We quite statutory. I think I'm going to go for bravely. I think Fabianski keeps his place in goal. Again, there's been discussions in recent weeks about Fabianski and a dip in form, but largely speaking, I think he's he's performed very well. Left back, I think, will be Ben Johnson, and I and I hope he is fully fit. Like I said earlier, I think he struggled a little bit with injuries. I'm I'm not seeing competing one v one, and I think that would be a concern if Rafinha is going to play on the right hand side. Dawson and Diop as your two centre backs. Right back will be Soufal. Double pivot: Suchek and Declan Rice picks itself. I think Antonio definitely plays. He definitely plays as the number nine. I don't know if he plays in the FA Cup. 
And in terms of that attacking midfield three, I think Bowen on the right, Lanzini is the number 10. And I can see Vlasic playing, actually, and a player that you won't be used to or familiar with, but a, a player that I really rate. I think he gives West Ham a completely different element in terms of his ability to deal with pressure, a change in acceleration again to beat players and get to the byline. You see him get a goal against Watford. And what I loved about that goal was the fact that he's making that movement, he's making that run even where it doesn't look very likely. And again, that's where West Ham's overload in the box comes from. So I think we'll see him on the left hand side but I, I would put my, I think Antonio definitely starts I think Lanzini definitely starts and I would put a little bit of money on that being the team don't don't quote me but we'll, we'll see we've got Norwich midweek and that, that that is the conversation but in games where or even in a short period of time where West Ham play two or three games Moyes tends to pick the same team so I imagine that will be the case and you'll know that I don't ask for predictions on this podcast, but what I am interested in is where you expect the games to be won or lost. So uh, we got the chance to see uh, West Ham play Leeds this season at Elland Road. What 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 would you say this time around in terms of your expectations of where the game will be won or lost for for your club? Okay, I think it will be. I think it'll be more personnel based this time for us. I think obviously it's it's weak down that left hand side with Diop and Mazawaku positionally. I expect Leeds to overload that area if Bielsa is very clever, which of course he is. I think there are there are huge opportunities there. I think Gelhart presents if he does play even Dan James to a degree different issues you could look at Dan James on the counter you could look at Gelhart dropping into pockets of space I think Declan will have to be more disciplined and that's where West Ham will have to switch on I do feel though that the game will be more beneficial for us particularly going forward in terms of build-up play with Lanzini I think we'll be able to play through the lines a lot more effectively I think our build-up will be stronger and I, and I think Bowen in the form that he's in Vlasic in the way that he's playing Antonio of course in terms of his movement in behind and and in particular just on Antonio I thought Creswell did really well against him and I've seen a lot of teams do well against Antonio when we're trying to distribute directly into him and make it an aerial duel it's so important for Antonio to be able to get on the half turn and get in behind and he of course did that for the winner he has to do that in this game I think if West Ham are able to do that with Bowen and Antonio and Vlasic and overload effectively then I think that's where our strength lies but defensively particularly down on our left-hand side. If Ben Johnson isn't playing, that's where the weakness is. And I, I think if Leeds are clever and you look at Dan James and the positions that he can pick up, I know he's not a natural number nine. If he is getting behind Issa Diop, who is hesitant in terms of his decision-making, there are chances for you to get the ball in our final third and create. So I will be sweating buckets, uh, rest assured, particularly with Diop and Dawson. And I'm, and I'm sure Bielsa will identify them. Well, Corey, it's always a great pleasure chatting to you. What's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out? Well, it's on the West Ham Way YouTube channel. I'm going to be putting out a preview very shortly ahead of the FA Cup and, of course, the league game. There's loads more things going on as well. I do post-match, I do pre-match. There'll be a lot of transfer stuff out. So if you are interested, for whatever reason, in, in listening to a West Ham fan try and talk about his woes, I'm sure it's a little bit seen, looked down upon now. And it, and it is a bit of a strange time for me. But, of course, you can catch me over there. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good stuff. There was lots to get our teeth into there and lots to think about. So, Tom, given that it's your return, I can see you've written quite the paragraph in the things you wanted to talk about. So let's let's come to you first. Yeah, so this is a bit of a long one, so I apologise in advance. Although I think the questions are quite simple. So Corey mentioned a lot that um, West Ham are attempted to play out from the back a bit more now that they're kind of regarded as a, sort of a European-level team. Uh, but they're sometimes having issues with that with... Fabianski in particular, Corey pointed out, and also that the backup centre-backs of Diop and Dawson aren't as, as comfortable as playing out as Zuma and Ogbonna, who were their first choice. Uh, so with that in mind, I have a couple of questions. So is our press good enough to take advantage of this? As we've mentioned quite a lot, that we're not pressing as well this season. Um, is that a key way for us to win the game? And from a West Ham point of view, could we just see them bypass, bypass our press altogether? Because they know it's an issue and we know that we are a very pressy team compared to the other teams in the league, so it might just be easy for them to get just dodge it all together and play, play into someone like Antonio for the then other players to, to bring others into play. John, I've never known anyone like to talk about pressing as much as you do. <laughs> Have at it, my friend. Yeah, I think the good questions, Tom. Um, our press isn't as good this season, but uh, I think even though it's not been that good, I didn't think it was that good against Burnley, but we did generate a few chances just through putting pressure on um, through through mainly individuals not really like um controlled collective pressing play but we for example the jack harrison goal came from him chasing down a lost cause and and getting something from it um and yeah i think we we did that a few times in in the first half in particular um i thought junior stepped up quite well um there's a few examples of uh, robin cox stepped up and picked the ball up in 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 a more advanced area and was able to lay it on so um individually yes we we are obviously playing a, a game style with the man marking that means that we do disrupt opposition uh, build up and I think Corey's right that, that West Ham the, the the real trick I think be, becoming a good side right Corey mentioned that two seasons ago West Ham were basically in a relegation battle um, within two seasons they've had to switch from being a team who are expected to like win enough to stay up to being a team who are expected to win enough to maybe outside chance the the um, Champions League spot so do you, you don't do that by playing the same style you have to start developing um, a, a, an ability to possess the ball in some way um, and yeah he was mentioning that, that 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 was what's been happening in the last few seasons so yeah for sure I think we can definitely do that in terms of their build up from the back I actually think that they tend to build up they, they like to build up further forward in the field Perhaps um, I think they do a lot of build-up between the, the the middle third and the final third, um, and, and I don't think they really mess around that much with with the ball in in deeper 
positions, obviously because they they have a, a keeper in Fabianski who you've said isn't quite as good as um, as as you as you might want for for a keeper in build up, and obviously they've got the two backup centre backs in as well. So I think what we'll see is we'll see them maybe going trying to hit the channels um, quite quickly, and then trying to move the ball back into the middle with possession in 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 the Leeds half, and then trying to. Um, short pass build up from there see what they can do so I think it'll be a sort of combination of, of those two things um, I, I I don't anticipate us causing them huge amounts of problems but I don't think we need to cause them huge amounts of problems I think we need to cause them a couple of problems right that was what we saw in the Burnley game we saw Leeds doing enough to to win the game so um, I, I do think that would be uh, an inroad for for why we might cause them some problems yeah, because even in games where there's not a tremendous amount of pressing to be done because of the way that the opposition are playing, there are usually a couple of situations which can can be exploited. And and I agree with you, John. I think, yeah, I think that we 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 will be able to at least cause them a few problems in in that area. And it, and even if the the high press isn't that good, at, with with Adam Forshaw playing in the midfield, I think there's always a, a better chance that our midfield press might be might be quite snappy so I think that's something to, to look out for as well yeah good stuff thanks thanks Tom so John what did you want to talk about you're coming at us with one of your trademark big questions <laughs> yeah I don't know whether or not this maybe overlaps too much with what Tom said but one of the things we talked to about to Corey about was the fact that actually if you look at the Premier League era Leeds have actually been fairly tight in the games against West Ham um, I, th- I think the, the last season I think every game was won by all the goals that West Ham scored were scored um, from set pieces and we've been better from set piece defending this this season uh, and then obviously earlier in this season um, we we were well West Ham relied on some late goals uh, and a little bit of a turnaround in the second half in order to come back so um, I thought I would pose a question do we think that we cause West Ham problems as, as a team in general um, and why do we think that this is the case what are the things that we've we've done that have made it hard for West Ham when I first saw this question, my first thought was that I think what we do as a team is we're quite good at sort of trying to stretch the opposition. Because um, like if we can transition quickly or we can we can build we can build up quickly, then we can catch West Ham when they're not in a block. Because West Ham and well, Moyes teams generally are when they're in a block, they are good defensively, and you're gonna you're gonna struggle to break them down. So the way we play means that they they don't always have time to get into that block, and it can lead towards being able to create chances that maybe teams that don't play in a style that we do, they probably wouldn't be able to create those chances. So that that was my, my thought on this, really. But it's, it is a, a difficult one because I don't think we've ever, whilst we've sort of, the games have always been tight, I don't feel like we've caused them the same problems in, what well, we're on three games now since we've got promoted. I don't think we've caused them problems in the same way in every game. But the only thing I could sort of find over to overlap those three is the fact that it's when those they're stretched and not when in a block, whether that be a mid-block or a low block, that we've caused them problems. John, you've talked a lot about our outlier status in this podcast, and I wonder whether there's something in that, in that, that we, we are so tactically different from other teams in the league. And I think, I think I'm a big admirer of David Moyes, so don't, Please don't take what I'm about to say has been, you know, too highly critical of him. God knows we only are that critical of uh, Leeds-related people. Um, but but I, I think his his playing style and his um, the way that he sets teams up is quite is quite traditional, a little bit rigid, um, um, very kind of yeah. Uh, uh, I think I've heard you describe him before, John, as kind of uh, quite naughty's 
in 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 that that kind of tactical plan, which is kind of linked to Mourinho, and I know I think he's trying to move on from that and trying to introduce more possession. But I just wonder whether there's something in Leeds out outlier status and in, in the way that we play, which kind of um, which which makes it difficult for West Ham to play. Having said that, as you said, they have beaten us. I think two one on every every single occasion. So. Um, Maybe it's one of those cases where Leeds give. I think you said. I don't know who said it before, but Leeds give you the hardest game of the season and then lose. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if there's anything in there, John, that you wanted to pick up on. Yeah, I think the outlier status really just comes from the man marking um, and yeah. stepping up, and I think that a lot of teams struggle to to deal with that, despite the fact that they know it's coming because they just don't play against it that much. It, it is very it is very disruptive and especially when you're playing against teams who maybe aren't the best in possession or teams that are trying to develop possessional play it can cause them some problems um i also kind of think that i don't know it'll be interesting because we we, i I don't know if we're going to talk about manuel lanzini later on but Corey made a big point of him being in the number 10 and that making a big difference and I feel as though that actually West Ham when we've played them haven't really had runners who are going to be dangerous through the middle in the same way I think obviously Declan Rice is is is, is a good ball carrier etc and and you'll get that but I think in those maybe more advanced areas we've not had to see someone who's more like um, Lanzini I think someone like Ben Rama who they've played there at times against us whilst I think he is pretty good out of possession I think his tendencies in possession are to be in wider areas so um, I wonder whether or not that lack of dynamic player in this in particularly in the central areas has maybe let us get away with things a little bit but for me these these sorts of teams it's always interesting to see how they um, how they manage to pull around the the uh, man marking systems um, and I think West Ham did do that in their credit in this in the second half of the game earlier in the season uh, and I think with with Lanzini they could maybe be a little bit more dangerous at doing that as well so um, yeah I think it will be a tough game no no doubt about it one thing I just add on there is that they did have Lingard for that second game last year um, and he's obviously a good ball carrier that went through the middle and I think from memory he did cause quite a lot of issues so if you're going to say that Lanzini is going to cause those issues in the same way that Lingard did that's well I would definitely say that we could see problems with Lanzini through that way did he win a penalty Lingard in the game he did he did yeah I think Ailing tackled him after he was trying to dribble past him from I think from memory mm. Okay, so let's think about the structure then. So as we've said, in, as, as Corey said, uh, West Ham will play a 4-2-3-1, which means that Leeds will play a 4-1-4-1 with our two eights pushing up onto the double pivot and our six um, picking up on the central attacking player in the three, which we anticipate will be will be Lanzini. So I don't think... The, I think we've, we've said before that the 4-2-3-1 uh, formation is one which suits Leeds, right, John? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's obviously like with the four one four one, you want you want your pivot to be roughly in in a deeper position. If you're playing against a flat midfield or maybe a a midfield two with with a deeper player behind it, then you always have the question of like, what do you do? Your your deeper pivot player in build up is going to drop deeper than the player that they're marking. So there's always the chance that you can maybe lose a little bit of ground on them. But this is perfect because obviously they'll have a more advanced player that the pivot can just follow around defensively and uh, should be in the in the sorts of place that they want to be when they're in possession as well. Yeah, so though we are playing a cup game and a league game, we'll mostly focus on the league game here. Um, and focusing on the league is something which Leeds United do uh, every single season. So we're, we're, we're bang on trend there. So in terms of injuries, Cooper and Phillips are still out and that's that's not going to be something which changes soon. But I'll keep mentioning them in the preview podcast so we don't forget they exist. Um, 
Rodrigo and Strauch were not really sure. I don't think it, I don't think we've heard any any um, indication that they're likely to be fit or anything at all about them. Really, certainly Bielsa hasn't said anything about either of them for a while. Um, Urente will be suspended for the league game, but he will be available for the cup game. We spent a good five minutes <laughs> just making sure we confirmed that online before we started recording. And um, Roberts possibly injured. Looked like he picked up something muscular. Um, so I think I think there, there's a decent chance that he'll be out. On Roberts, I had calf injury weeks rather than months. Weeks rather than months. Okay, so but we've heard that before. So we've heard Take we have heard that with before. a pinch of salt. Yeah, definitely. So in the back four, then it looks like it will be in the league game. It'll be Robin Cock plus one at centre back. Um, Urente being suspended. So unless Strauch is fit. It means that we, in all likelihood we'd need to see Luke Aylin play in the left centre-back slot. Um, so who would you expect to see at full-back, Tom? Would it be Stuart Dallas or Cody Drame? This, I think, will depend on, one, if um, Dallas is going to be played in the midfield. Um, and I think, because we've got the cup game beforehand, I think we might see Cody Drame in the in the cup game playing the right-back. And if he plays well in that game or... Um, I don't know, Dallas gets injured as well because that's what happens to our players these days. Um, then we might see Drame keep the keep the position if he does well or we'll put Dallas there if Drame has a shocker. And John in the midfield, presumably be um, Farshaw playing in the pivot plus click. And who? Yeah, this is, I mean, all of these positions, I guess, are up for grabs, right? I was, I was yeah. trying to think, you know, we've, we've obviously seen Bielsa play centre-backs in the pivot role before but I don't think we've got any available um, so uh, who knows but if, if Strout's available potentially you could play Strout there and, and then have Ailing and Koch as the, your two centre-backs so that is a possibility but yeah who knows where Strout is <laughs> anyway and also yeah I suppose that Forshaw played there roughly in the last game so mm. it will be pretty similar click yeah and who <laughs> well Roberts is out so I don't know. Is Jamie Shackleton available? Who, who am I? No, th- he's he's out until the end of February. He's out until the end of February. Yeah. Um, who have we got <laughs> left? So our, right, Lewis Bate is is his time. Yeah, I mean Lewis Bate didn't play in the twenty threes game yesterday, um, so there's lots of speculation about that. Um, that said, I think a lot of the young uh, players have had COVID through their ranks, so it could also be that. But I would have absolutely no problem whatsoever seeing Lewis Bate playing. And if Lewis Bate is playing, then I would definitely go clickbait. Clickbait. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's one for the fans. I, I, there was a tweet going around about me saying for sure, for sure. Um, so yeah. there you go, clickbait. That was actually unintentional as well. Just to, just. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say about the for sure one, because some people said that I'd been too stupid to pick it up. In fact, that wasn't <laughs> the case. What it is, is that I'm so tired of hearing John make that pun <laughs> that I just ignore it now. I I don't even think I intend to make it anymore. It's just become a habit. You see it so often that I just ignore it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, click and bait in the midfield and and then Forshaw deeper, I think, would be the the way to go about that. Agreed. But but there is a possibility that it would be Dallas in the midfield and Drame at right back. So that's just something to look out for. On Drame, actually, it might be worth saying that after that poor performance against Arsenal, the the rumours about him going off on loan started. So, uh, and and I do think that Bielsa has a tendency to very quickly make his mind up about about whether or not youth players are ready. So I wonder how that will impact that. I, d- I don't know necessarily that it will. And maybe, as Tom says, this will be a bit of a redemption arc if he can come in in the league game and and uh, so cup game and play okay. Um, but I wonder whether or not that would impact um, Bielsa's decision decision making as well yeah good thinking 
Okay, big question. I'm I'm not going to ask John about Dan James because you know uh, when how that goes. Tom, <laughs> would who would you prefer to see on the left wing? Would it be Jack Harrison or Dan James? Neither's not an option. You've got to choose one of them. My gut says go to Dan James. I've got I know I should on this podcast we're supposed to give reasons for stuff, but I've literally got no idea why I'm edging towards Dan James apart from that. I think that with Sufal there, they might he might push on, and I just kind of think if you give space. Dan James a lot of space, then he can run into it and either lead something or he'll inevitably cut back, wait for the players to get back and then give the ball away. But the hopes it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? So I'm going to go for Dan James. Uh, let, let's be fair, he did he did reasonably okay uh, when he came on against against Burnley and he did show some of the attributes that we would expect to see from him if he were playing well. Is that what's influencing you thinking, Tom? Yeah, I'm probably going really recency bias on this one. That's probably why I've gone for it. But I just think with the space there, I'd quite like James to be able to run into it rather than Jack Harrison. I noticed how you did recognise that I just started a round of name your biases um, without <laughs> without calling to that. Excellent, uh, uh, John. I'm not going to come to you on the wingers. Uh, we're going to move on from that. John, do these do these fixtures mark the return of the Pats? Um, and will he start either of them? Yeah, there was was it David Anderson in the mirror who was mentioning Bamford being available um, from here on in. So. Interesting one. I, I heard that um, they could have gone with Bamford on uh, last weekend, but they were a bit worried about Tyler Roberts's leg, and 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 so that proved to be the case. So um, I think they're quite worried about bringing him back too early because obviously they brought him back uh, against Brentford, and he got injured in the celebration, which isn't a particularly good sign. <laughs> I suspect that he will be available, but they may be a little bit tentative about bringing him back because uh, they don't want to just get into a habit of or a cycle of just losing him every few games or so because he's not properly rested yeah no no Billy Elliot's down the touchline please Pat if you do happen to score you just want him ready for Newcastle really don't we like the cup game could bring him as a sub and then if you're starting for the West the league game for West Ham but he's got to be ready for that Newcastle home game really Tom what do you expect Bielsa to do for the cup game what sort of lineup are you expecting to see I think he'll in his sort of early time I'm thinking that first QPR one he did completely change it up didn't he and then we've seen more recently he's kind of gone for a bit of almost a 50-50 like some first team players some sort of the fringe under 23 players um, and I think that will probably will, will go with here but it's a bit of a probably true he has to do it this time because half the players are injured or suspended so yeah I think it'll be a bit of a 50-50 mix just to keep some sort of continuity but allow some players to get a bit of time. John, should we expect to see some planned substitutions, whether they make sense in the context of the individual game or not? Uh, yes. Mm, thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Let's move on. Let's start to think about some of the tactical issues um, that, that West Ham might pose. So, um, last time out, West Ham pushed their fullbacks higher than I expected. And in fact, on the preview podcast, we did we spent a lot of time saying, Moyes is too smart to push his fullbacks high. He's going to sit them. There'll be no space in behind them. And then lo and behold, we did actually get a bit of joy from getting in behind them uh, at various times in the game. Um, and that meant that we could hit them in transition. Um, so what will they do this time, Tom? Given that it's a home game, will that make any difference? My thinking here is that I don't think, for the, if I start with the cup game, I don't think... Cresswell or Johnson are available, so it'll be Masawaku and Sufal, and I'm not sure they know how to sit as fullbacks. So I think I think they'll probably push on. Um, in the when the league game, the, I don't know about Johnson or Cresswell. Then I think they might be available. Um, 
someone will know better than me if that's right. So it'd be Souffal again. So may, you maybe you might see one of like the left back sitting a bit more um, in the league game, and maybe Souffal still pushing on because I, I think he, he is very good at that. But I don't I don't think he's got the ability to sit back. Um, so yeah, I think that'll be a personnel thing rather than a tactical thing. Um, depending on what we see the fullbacks do. Mm. Any thoughts, John? I remember actually thinking at the time that that it was quite naive from from Moyes, and I sometimes kind of wonder that he's he's almost backed into a corner tactically, whereby y- you know the expectation is is that now that they have to win more games, they have to go forward at every opportunity. And I think that that's a very sort of Brendan Rodgers thing that we've seen with Leicester against us in recent years. It almost feels like. Um, that, that Brendan Rodgers almost tries to overthink himself and does like the worst thing in the, he can to start the game off and then we'll switch it around at half time. So how many times against Leicester have we seen them come out in one formation and then switch to another at half time? Quite a few times. So I wonder whether or not the, there's there's something in that. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be interested. To, I mean, I, I guess the, the point is, is that you push your fullbacks quite high and they push both of them up quite high at the same time, but you then drop one of your double pivot in. To, into the space behind so you'll have yeah Rice on one side and Suchek on the other uh, and so I suppose that they will they'll do that and, and they, they do like to try and get I guess more so when Cresswell was playing because he's obviously got a really nice delivery um, Sufal is the same um, Masawaku maybe not quite so much so I wonder if we will see a slightly different um, turnout from them in terms of the tactics but I, I also kind of think that they, they have to get to this point now where they think well you know you can be too like Leeds, Leeds have been really poor this, this season in in terms of chance creation, even when teams are giving them space in wide areas, so I think they've got to think we are more likely to score from from going a little bit more gung ho and and then giving them the chance to to break back through those areas. So um, I think they won't be so worried about it as as maybe um, we they would have been last season. And um, I think that that's good for us insofar as it gives us a, at least some sort of weakness to try and pinpoint. These naive Scottish managers, <laughs> you won't win games in our league like that. Um, okay, so. Corey mentions that their press um, isn't quite working, and I know that that our build-up keeps you awake at night, John. Um, how's it going to look in this game if, if West Ham's press isn't particularly working, but they are trying to press a bit higher? Are we going to have some joy getting through them? I think it's going to get transitional, to be honest. I think that, you know, this is what we saw against Burnley. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, nominally that sort of suits us. I think it suits us not because we're necessarily more likely to score because of it, but I think it's we're more likely to, less likely to concede from it. So I think that's what I sort of expect to see. I think, like as I've said, I think West Ham will go quite direct into wide areas and they'll have, um, they'll, they'll well, they'll have on one side Jared Bowen. Um, ben Rama is away at the Africa Cup of Nations, I believe. Is that right? Um and so they'll they'll probably play Vlasic uh, in the wide areas. So yeah, I think we've definitely locked out in terms of in that aspect. But I, I do think Vlasic is an underrated player. Um, and I, I suppose what you would th- you would normally see them doing is going in direct into those wide areas, and then if they can't do anything, just build it back up through the middle and see what they can do. So um, I expect that to be the case. But I also think that because we'll be rushing them a little bit more, that they, they there may be just a few more pings into those areas and 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 headed headed. There was just so much heading tennis, wasn't there against Burnley? Um, uh, well, there was. You enjoyed that, about yeah. No, I didn't enjoy that, and I had to watch that game. I ended up watching that game three times in the end. So um, I, I'm very much aware of the fact that I didn't enjoy it and that there was a lot of heading tennis. So, but I, I think West Ham, obviously West Ham, much better than Burnley. So um, they will definitely be trying to get it on the floor and move it around quickly. Um, but yeah, interesting to see if they 
build up through passing, which is what they have been doing this season, just sort of quick, short, one-time passing, um, which I don't think actually necessarily works very well against Leeds because I think if you play that quickly moving the ball, you don't really give time for the man-marking system to break down. I think it's when you start carrying it and moving it around through dribbles that that, that ends up happening. So could could work out all right for us in that sense. And then you expect us to buy, try and bypass their press to a degree and try getting behind them? I expect us to try and build up Mm. Uh, and then decide whether or not we should carry on trying to build up uh, or go direct. And uh, in, in my video analysis this week, I, sh- I showed just a little a couple of clips where Leeds tried to build up and Forshaw played it straight out and Llorente uh, just ran straight into traffic after doing a fairly good progressive run. Um, and then after that point, I just think Leeds didn't really try and and, and build up so much. Uh, although I did think Burnley gave them quite a lot of license in both in, in wide areas as well, which I don't think West Ham will. So I think that they'll be happy to, and I think they'll just sort of feel it out and, um, that's something we've seen quite a lot. I know Josh Josh Hobbs says quite a bit that he gets frustrated that Leeds don't just go long earlier. Usually, when we're playing against teams like Arsenal, who are pressing quite quite high, so maybe maybe in this sense it might not be too bad. But how many times in recent games have we just seen the passing just horseshoeing around the back um, because they can't actually make any inroads and in, in the wide areas or through the middle? So um, I think it will come down to that. And then if they can't if they can't build up in the wide areas like they like to in the channels, then they'll you'll get the centre backs just trying to put the ball into the channel behind the fullback. So, And both of the West Ham goals um, at Ellen Road earlier this season, Tom, came from exploiting defensive trans- our defensive transitions. Do you think we've improved in that area at all or is that some something where you expect them to, again, cause us some difficulty? I'd probably say yes to both those. Um, I think we probably got a bit better, but it was pretty hard to get any worse, really, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it's just that I'm not I'm noticing it less because I'm used to it, but I've, I do think we have improved slightly in that area. Uh, but I do still expect, like in the first game, that West Ham will cause us um, issues by catching us in transition. I don't, it might not even be stuff that they create. Like we are quite prone to just um, giving the ball away and build up even under not as much pressure. So I, I still think it will be an area where we they will cause us issues. John, have you got any thoughts about that? In the first game this season. Um, I believe that they they caused a lot of problems through juniors area, uh, the left back area in particular. So, and there seems to be a general consensus that the junior played pretty well against Burnley, which I don't disagree with. But I think that the conditions were fairly well set for him in that game. So, will be interesting to see whether or not that like, this will be the game to see whether or not there's been any real. Um, uh, development from him in that sense because he'll be up against Jared Bowen and um, I think we actually did he score an own goal technically or it was certainly yeah, off him did, when yeah. Bowen hit it so um, could be a tough game for him and it will be a good at- litmus test I think to see where he's at in terms of the system and where do you see us hurting West Ham John? Probably in those wide areas in behind the fullbacks um, if we're going to do anything through there um, but again like we've just gone in a game against Burnley who were probably the worst team maybe bar Watford that we've played this season I thought and they were just giving us huge amounts of space in wide areas and we didn't really exploit them so I think it's yeah I'm I'm less sanguine about our opportunities or or our ability to to cause those kind of problems but those they will be there and if we can all we need to do is just get get a couple of those chances and um, yeah get the ball in wide areas and pull the ball back across and as we saw um, against Burnley we can generate those sorts of uh, box shots that that should be scored. I mean, the Rafinha goal, uh, not non-goal, I should say, where um, if had it fallen on his left foot, he would have scored it. But yeah, I think uh, those are the best ways to, to hurt West Ham. Any advances, Tom? No, I was going to say the exact same thing, really. Um, that I also think that's potentially where we could lose the game in the wide areas. That um, on our on our, our right-hand side, there'll, there'll be 
either Drame, so you'd kind of worry about that a bit, even if it is someone like Vlasic, who hasn't been played as much. And then on the other side, you've got Bowen, who is playing unbelievably at the moment. Um, every recent West Ham game I've watched, he's just been very, very good. Um, you can you can see why he's being linked with Liverpool. So he, for me, is the, the, their player that sticks out as the main the main threat for me. So I think I think the answer is that the game will be won and lost on the wings on both for both teams. I think as well that's gonna it's gonna pin our fullbacks deeper when you've got when you've got Bowen and you've got Blazic and they are outlet balls. It just means that you can't get those players further forward. And we've seen that be a criticism of particularly Junior this this season that he he doesn't get into the areas that Alioski was getting into. Um, well, we saw him do that against Burnley, but. Yeah, what's what's going to happen in this game when there's going to be the expectation that every time you go forward, you're leaving space for Bowen to attack behind you? And I think Dallas has been quite poor as, as a fullback this season, um, and yeah, particularly in defensive transition as well. So it could be a tough afternoon. So uh, John Tom thinks the game's going to be one or lost in the wide areas. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with Tom. Yeah. Yep. Okay, good stuff. I'm just really pleased that we've managed to get through a whole West Ham preview without once mentioning set pieces. So that's that's <laughs> made me very, very happy indeed, given that all of the all of their goals last season came through set pieces against us. Yeah, and we've definitely improved at set pieces. We have. So um, that, that's something. I don't know whether or not that's because we've changed much up. I've, I've been watching particularly corners, but we don't seem to be doing that much differently. But No. I don't think we're doing anything differently particularly, but you're right, the the end result is that we're not conceding even many as many chances from them. Anyway. Good stuff. Um so John, you mentioned that you'd had a look at our attacking processes the Burnley. Yeah, my video analysis was basically just looking at chance creation and I just broke down every chance that we had to get into the final third against Burnley in the first half. So lots of volume of, of clips, but I'll just talk quickly through them and um yeah note my frustrations with some of the situations so um, maybe not the most cheery uh, video but I think one that's worth watching just to be aware of the fact that we are still having the same levels of problems at the moment even 19 games games into the season and unfortunately Burnley were just not up to a huge amount so we we got the points that we needed there. People don't come to us for cheery John and what's Hobbsy (laughs) um, put out this week yeah Josh looked at Luke Ayling's performance um, from a centre-back position um, because obviously we've been a little bit up in the air about where Ayling is at in terms of his ball progression this season um, and that being a big reason why we haven't done so well so um, yeah Josh was just looking at how he looks as a looked from from the right centre-back position in the Burnley game excellent okay well that brings us to a close I think so we'll be back on Monday with a review of the match but until then enjoy the game and have a great week deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.